Welcome to the Green Renine Publishing Podcast. Since the year 2000, Green Renine has been at the forefront of the hobby game industry. This podcast brings that world to life with news, interviews, and opinions direct from the Emerald City. Join us as we talk about role-playing games, card games, conventions, game design, and all things Green Ronin. Hello and welcome to the latest Green Ronin Publishing Podcast. I am not your usual host, Chris Premus. Uh, I'm Steve Kenson, lead designer here at uh, Green Ronin Publishing. And uh, the reason I'm uh, taking over for uh, this edition of the podcast is we are here to talk with uh, Chris Premus uh, about the design and development of uh, Green Ronin's new Dragon Age uh, tabletop role-playing game. So welcome, Chris, as a guest on our uh, our podcast for the first time. Hey, thanks, Steve. You're going to be my inquisitor? Absolutely. I have a whole series of questions for you. So for uh, folks who may not be familiar uh, with the... um, advertising uh, coming out for uh, the release of uh, BioWare's upcoming uh, Dragon Age game. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps you can uh, give them a brief introduction to the, the game and what it's about. Sure. So uh, BioWare, who uh, as computer gamers know, is you know, probably the leading uh, company in computer role-playing games. Um, they did uh, Baldur's Gate, they did Knights of the Old Republic, um, and they are coming out with a new game in November called Dragon Age Origins. And it's basically Bioware sort of going back to its roots and doing fantasy role-playing stuff again. And so uh, they created uh, this new setting called Thetis, and uh, Dragon Age Origins is, uh, is the first game that's going to explore that. And uh, they approached us about doing a tabletop version because pretty much you know, any um, fantasy game of that type is has its roots in old D&D. And, uh, and so they thought it would be cool to have a tabletop version uh, to coincide with the release of their computer game. Now, obviously, uh, fantasy tabletop games are certainly familiar in the role-playing market. Uh, how did you uh, approach the, the idea of designing a new uh, tabletop fantasy game based on uh, a property like Dragon Age? Was it just a matter of taking the the mechanics of the computer game and porting them over into a tabletop format, or did you approach things uh, in a different way? Um, So I went up to Edmonton about a year ago, and I met with uh, many of the folks at Bioware. They told me about the game, showed me some cinematics and things, and we sort of talked over what was in it and what good approaches might be. And uh, their lead designer basically advised me to not use their system because, of course, it's optimized so a computer can do all the calculations for you. Right. Um, right. So that the tabletop w- version is like the online version with a much, much slower processor. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, rather than make you do a lot of complicated stuff that a computer would do, you know, it was just made a lot more sense to, um, to take the world and take uh, sort of pillars from the computer game and uh, and come up with a system that was better suited for tabletop play. So that's sort of the uh, approach that I took. So there are many things that will be familiar to you if you've played the computer game. You know, the classes, um, you know, the spells and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But there's also stuff that's going to be different because it just would work better that way in the tabletop. 
So what's sort of, apart from simulating and capturing the, the feel of the, the setting that BioWare had created, what sort of design goals did you set out for yourself um, in, in creating the tabletop version of Dragon Age? Well, so you know, Dragon Age itself, as I mentioned, is like sort of inspired by old school tabletop role-playing games. So those had to be kind of a, a touch point for what I was doing. Well, at the same time, I, I wasn't trying to do what's colloquially called a retro clone. You know, I wasn't looking to just take an old game and just rewrite it. Mm-hmm. But certainly I, wa- I was looking at um, the approach, the aesthetic of role-playing games from 25, 30 years ago. Um, and this is something I've thought about a lot over the years where you know, there were many games uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s where you would get a whole rule book that was 64 pages long, and that was the Mm -hmm. rules for the game. Sure. And these days, you know, core books are commonly 200 more pages. Yeah. Um, And that that can really create a a barrier uh, of entry. Um, Even for experienced gamers, you... Some games ask you to really read and digest a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I took away from that was, was a real desire to do a game that would be easy to get into, um, particularly where there are people who might be crossing over from the computer game side and trying tabletop games for the first time. Uh, I really wanted to make sure that this game was approachable and uh, you know something that they could could read and learn to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so the format that uh, I settled on was to do a, a sort of classic style boxed set that would have a player's book, a GM's book, a uh, poster map, and dice. Um, so first of all, this is something, if you're not a gamer, you know, it looks like a game, right? Mm-hmm. It comes in a sure, box. Sure, games come in boxes. <laughs> all right. It also has that great utility of, you know, if a game master buys this, he can hand the player's book to the players so they can make characters without also handing them the sort of GM info that mm-hmm. they the, don't the, need or shouldn't look at. Right, the various secrets of the setting and right. the monsters and those sorts of things. Exactly. Um, and uh, and so the player's book is really focused on, you know, that teaches the core of the game and then, you know, shows you how to make a character, tells you, um, you know, gives you kind of a primer on the setting. Um, and sort of gets you ready to play. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the GM's guide is all about teaching the GM what, what his or her role is and, you know, how to run games. Mm-hmm. It includes a sample adventure written by you. Yeah, um, as a matter of fact. And, uh, and together then, you know, this will help people start a game. Now, a lot of uh, what uh, people would refer to as, as rules-light games, uh, a lot of uh, the issue with them is that people find they're often not very robust mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that there's, there's just not a lot of meat to them. Uh, the game is so simple that it tends to, to boil down into not being all of that innovative or having a lot of depth to it. One of the things that I really liked... Uh, in the approach uh, you took to uh, Dragon Age was the uh, inclusion of the Dragon Die mechanic to provide uh, some really interesting variety uh, to the game. Would you mind uh, telling us a little bit about that mechanic and how it works? Sure, absolutely. Um, So the core of Dragon Age uh, are your eight abilities. Um, And so these are things like strength, cunning, Mm -hmm. um, and you take ability tests and you roll 3d6 you add the results up uh, and then you add your ability and that that gives you a result so when you're making an ability test um, 
and you roll your three dice, two of the dice will be one color, and the third die is a different color because that's what's called the dragon die. Mm-hmm. And it's used a couple of different ways. Um, first of all, when you're making more sort of skill-oriented tests, um, it's what you use to uh, determine your degree of success if you succeed in the task. That dragon die will tell you, well, if you rolled a one on it, you sort of barely succeeded. If you rolled a six, then you did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the adventures that we're providing, uh, we'll often break out um, for tests what what exactly that means, if it's important. Sure. Um, the uh, other way that we use the dragon die is in stunts. Um, these happen uh, when you make uh, combat rolls and when you cast spells. And uh, if you uh, succeed in what you're doing and you roll doubles uh, on any of your three dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that includes the dragon die. Including the dragon die, right? Uh, then uh, you generate stunt points equal to the result of the dragon die. So if you rolled a 15 total and you got a three on your dragon die, you get three stunt points. Mm-hmm. Um, you then have a little like Chinese menu of stunts you can do, and you can spend uh, the stunt points that you've generated, and you have to spend them right away because they're modifying the action that you're taking right now. Right, so it's an immediate sort of use them or lose them. Exactly. Um, but you choose, you know, which stunts you want to do. So you sort of assess the situation and decide, you know, what's best and pick uh, the number of stunts that you want to do. Um, and, you know, oftentimes you can do more than one. Um, and then you get to kind of narrate exactly what cool thing you did, you know, um, when you perform this stunt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, you know, it allows you to mix things up. You know, you can come up with different cool moves that uh, that you may have done mm-hmm. to generate these results. Right. And these stunts have um, very specific game effects Correct. as well. They're not just a narrative description of how effective your character's action was, but they also allow you to do very specific things in the game like disarm your opponent or right. knock them prone or um, maneuver yourself into a superior position right. for your next action, those sorts of things. Exactly. Um, and then um, as you go up in level in the different classes, uh, some of the classes uh, at different levels, they can perform certain of these stunts for less stunt points. Um, so rogues, for example, uh, when they get up a few levels, they can do the pierce armor stunt for one stunt point instead of two, and that reduces the effectiveness of the enemy's armor, So, which is a very oh. roguey thing to do. So the, when the stunt is really um, in character for, for that particular class, it's something that they're going to be able to do more often than most other characters. Yes, absolutely. Um, the game also has um, talents, and some of those uh, give you access to special stunts as well. So those would be a stunt that you can only do if you have the talent. That's right. And I was particularly um, interested to note that characters get uh, the opportunity to do stunts uh, casting spells as well as with their combat Mm -hmm. actions, which I think nicely extends the same system to uh, work across all of the different classes. Yeah, that was a result of playtesting. You know, there are playtesters who are like, you know, the stunt system is really cool, and it's kind of a shame that, that when mages cast spells that they don't really get to take advantage of that. Um, mages do have kind of a class ability called Arcane Lance that does let them take advantage of stunts, but mm-hmm. a lot of times they'll be casting spells and they were sort of missing out on the fun, really. Right. So I just adapted the same system, and uh, some of the stunts are similar, but others you know, let you cast spells uh, with spending less mana points, because the, the spell system uses kind of a spell point system. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, you know, some of the stunts let you manipulate that in different ways. That's cool. Uh, the The stunt system really does provide a lot of variety in gameplay where all sorts of different things can come up. And you never really know when a stunt is going to happen until you roll those doubles and you see what yeah. you get on the dragon die. And that's really part of the fun of it is that it's it's not predictable. And, you know, there's situations where you're like, oh, man, I really need to stunt this round to do what I need to do. And you you may not get it, you know. Um, and at the same time, it sounds like the the dragon die approach allows the player to control the fun and doesn't relegate that to, for example, a crit chart. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And because when you you roll it, you have to spend the points right away. You get to assess the situation and and do what you think is the best or the coolest thing to do right then. You're not sort of looking at a list of abilities and saying. You know, ooh, I, I hope this situation crops up so I can do this. You know, you're getting to decide what to do at that time. I should note for uh, our listeners that that was not my alternate personality, but uh, <laughs> our director of uh, e-publishing, Mark Schmaltz. Hi, Mark. Hello. And uh, we should also mention, uh, in terms of the uh, adventure uh, possibilities for for Dragon Age, that, uh, like Chris noted, uh, the boxed set does come with a, a intro starter adventure yep. uh, that'll get people playing right away. Um, so it really is a complete, right out of the box, ready to play game. So one of the things to note about uh, the approach that we took is the uh, the first box set uh, covers levels one to five of uh, of your characters. So uh, Dragon Age is a class and level system. So the game as a whole goes from one to twenty. This set does levels one to five. And then we're going to be doing three more additional sets that cover 6 to 10, 11 to 15, 16 to Mm -hmm. 20. And each one of those will expand out your options, um, add in rules that are appropriate to the levels. So like set three, for example, might have a mass combat system in it. Yep. Um, And also will include adventure materials. So it's not just getting more rules, but also um, adventure materials you can use more source material on the setting, that sort of stuff. Wow, so a fantasy RPG with a series of uh, boxed sets, that's pretty old school. It, it is old school, and I, and I always loved boxed sets, and you know, I was kind of sad when that era went away. Um, it's just nice, first of all, having a box you can put things in, like short modules mm-hmm. or Those notes. loose or, character sheets yeah, and things like that. That, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, I love the ability to have separate books for GMs and players. You know, one of the, the problems with the classic big core book is that there's going to be a segment in it of stuff that, that players don't really need to see. And, you know, being mm-hmm. able to, to segment that out is, yeah. is also really And nice. players being who they will are going to read anyway <laughs> if they have access to the book. Yeah, that's correct. But it also allows us to include things like poster maps easily, you know, mm-hmm. like gluing them into books is, you know, I mean, the glue's gotten better over the years, but it's still kind of a pain to, yeah. to pull posters out and yeah. they well, can and be plus once you, by people. Once you pull them out of the book, then where do you put them? Right. Yeah, exactly. 
so yeah, I gotta say I'm an unabashed fan of box sets. Um, and uh, we did one a few years ago called Egyptian Adventures Hamenopteru, mm-hmm. which was a D20 setting, uh, like an Egyptian fantasy setting that was uh, was good fun. Uh, you worked yeah, on that. As I well. did, in fact. I remember that that being a very old school product with the the three booklets and the map and yeah. the box set. That was that was a really uh, a blast from the past. Yeah. Uh, but I think this sort of came a little too late in the D20 cycle, um, mm-hmm. you know, to really have the impact that, that I wish it had had. Um, so here, you know, we're kicking off a new game line with the box set. And, uh, you know, frankly, I just feel like uh, there hasn't been a really good intro to RPGs, um, well, probably since the red box of D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I hope, <laughs> I aspire, uh, to to make this a really good entry point and to hopefully bring some new people into tabletop role-playing. Great. Well, I believe that uh, folks can expect to see um, Dragon Age, the tabletop RPG, right around the same time that they're going to be seeing uh, Dragon Age Origins, uh, the computer game. Um, yeah, we're going to do a PDF release first, which, of course... <laughs> Isn't as fun as getting the actual box, but, uh, you know, to send it to print, we have to create PDFs. Yes. So uh, so we're going to be releasing that first, uh, and then uh, the box will follow about a, a month later. Great. So uh, folks can be on the lookout, and yeah. uh, news will be coming as it does from uh, com. Yes, I'll be doing some uh, design diaries and things, so there'll be more you can learn about the system. Um, and uh, And then... We'll be following up uh, the initial release with, uh, with more fun stuff. Awesome. We'll be on the lookout. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thank you, Steve. That's it for this edition of the Green Ronin Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and stay with us for upcoming podcasts uh, with news on all things Green Ronin. This podcast is copyright 2009, Green Ronin Publishing. Music by Bombscare, courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.